0: Hi, I'm Dan Fermat and welcome to Axios Recap presented by Facebook. Today is Friday, October 23rd. COVID hospitalizations are up, second debate ratings are down, and we're focused on the business of political fundraising. President Trump's campaign said it just concluded its best ever fundraising day, securing twenty six million dollars in the hours around last night's debate. No word yet on how much team Biden raised, but Even if he didn't raise a nickel, this will still go down as a record-shattering election season in terms of both money raised and money spent. The Nonpartisan Center for Responsive Politics reports that the presidential race will cost nearly $5.2 billion when all is said and done. And for context, the 2016 race came in below $3 billion. Biden overall has raised much more than Trump, but this isn't just about Biden and Trump. House and Senate races are expected to cost $5.6 billion, a 37% jump from 16. Oh, and within those numbers, three Senate races in Kentucky, South Carolina, and Arizona, each are coming in at north of $100 million in terms of how much the candidates have raised. So we want to know how this money is being spent and what happens to all those extra dollars that get raised by losing candidates or by candidates who don't ever plan to run again for public office that conversation with election law expert Chara Torres Spellacy in 15 seconds. We're joined now by Chara Torres Spellacy, a law professor at Stetson University and author of Corporate Citizen, an argument for the separation of corporation and state. What if anything is tangibly different this year about political fundraising than you've seen in past cycles?
1: Well, 2020 is on track to be the most expensive federal election we have ever had. There's also been more outside spending than in any other election, so that you might trace to Citizens United from 2010. And we also had at least three people claiming to be billionaires. Steyer and Bloomberg, despite their billions, did not win the nomination. Trump also claims to be a billionaire. And one of the interesting things about 2020 from the Trump campaign perspective is Trump made a big deal in 2016 that he was self-financing his race. It turned out that he only self-financed 20% of his 2016 race. But in 2020, he has put zero dollars towards his own re-election, which I find remarkable. Can I ask real
0: quick, I remember more four years ago than today, which was as television ads become at least relatively, if not less important, at least slightly less important, because you do have the rise of digital advertising, social media advertising, that campaigns wouldn't have to raise as much because digital ads are cheaper than television ads.
1: Has that not played out? Nope. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that you can see from, say, Bloomberg's mayoral races He would spend millions of dollars on digital ads. You can spend a lot of money on digital ads. In 2016, I think roughly one out of three dollars from the Trump campaign went to Facebook ads. So you can (laughs) run up a huge tab just by doing ads that are on social media.
0: From a business perspective, if you're creating a business, you're creating an organization, you obviously look and say, okay. we would like to, you know, if we have to raise money, we need this much money to be able to achieve whatever our goal is. Do political campaigns view it that way? Or do they just say, you know what, we need to raise as much as we possibly can raise, and then we'll worry about how to spend it later?
1: Well, one of the things that I looked at in my most recent book, Political Brands, is how candidates are merchandised to the American public, This is a phenomenon that has happened since the Eisenhower, I like Ike campaign. And besides Trump, the last presidential candidate who was really excellent at branding was Obama. And the Obama campaign had ads all over the place. They even got them inside of video games. So... Where you can put a political ad, it's almost just a matter of your imagination. You can put it into text messages. You can put it on Facebook, put it on Twitter. There was that strange gentleman during the Romney campaign who actually had it tattooed on his face. That was a little extreme, but wherever voters can see media is where the campaigns will try to reach them. I'm wondering, though, the pure
0: branding part, it would seem to me there isn't a voter, a likely voter in America right now who doesn't know, at least in general, who Donald Trump is and who Joe Biden is. So an ad that's making an argument is one thing, but just the logo, Trump or Biden, is that worth spending money on right now?
1: Well, for example, having MAGA hats, the Make America Great Again hats, those have a lot of different functions. One is to advertise the Trump campaign campaign. And another is to indicate that the Trump campaign is popular. So if you see a lot of people wearing those hats, you might think, oh, maybe I should give this candidate another look. So I think it's probably bigger than just the name Biden or Trump at this point. There are all sorts of creative ways to use political branding, including the Biden campaign after the vice presidential debate's. Started selling fly swatters because (laughs) a fly alighted on Vice President Mike Pence. If a candidate raised more money than they
0: have spent and they lose the race so they can't roll it over into a re election campaign, where does that money go?
1: There are specific rules at the FEC for getting rid of excess money if you really want to get rid of it. You can give it to a charity, you can give it back to your donors. What you cannot do is put it into your own pocket. That is considered personal use. And you can just ask Congressman Duncan Hunter, who is a Republican. He is going to prison because he used campaign funds for his personal lifestyle. The same thing happened to Jesse Jackson Jr., a Democrat. Jesse Jackson Jr. used campaign funds to buy Michael Jackson memorabilia. And that is not allowed.
0: You said if you really want to. So if you were to lose and you don't necessarily want to give it away, what usually happens?
1: So again, a lot of money often ends up with charities, but then the personal use rules also apply. So you can't give to a charity that basically you or your family controls.
0: Can you give it to a political party? Does that count as a charity?
1: No, a political party is not a charity, but you can give it to other candidates. Typically, you would give it to the candidates on your side of the aisle.
0: So when you say you can give it to other candidates, so you could give it To Not to the party per se, but to say the Democratic Senatorial Committee or the Republican Congressional Committee. Would that count? Yes, you can transfer funds. We're 12 days away from an election. Outside of the PR, you know, the value of saying, look, we raised all this money. It suggests our candidate did well. Is it too late to really be spending huge amounts of money?
1: It depends on how you want to spend that money. I mean, you could spend it on mailers, on buttons, on b- bunting. on. Is there But is there even time with 12 days?
0: You talk about mailers. You'd have to get them printed. You'd have to mail them. People would have to receive them before election day. There's really still enough time to pull that out. And you'd have to write them. You've got enough time to do that?
1: Well, and you can also get into the digital space that we were addressing earlier. So putting up a new set of digital ads can be very rapid.
0: Professor Chara Torres-Spellasi, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Welcome back. What we're watching today is Goldman Sachs, which agreed to pay more than $2 billion in penalties to the U.S. government for its role in facilitating the looting of Malaysia's sovereign wealth fund. That's on top of the $2.5 billion it already agreed to pay the government of Malaysia And another quarter of a billion dollars to Hong Kong. Oh, and both current Goldman CEO David Solomon and former CEO Lloyd Blankvine will have some of their pay clawed back. So we asked Axios Chief Financial Correspondent Felix Salmon what these penalties tell us about Goldman and if he thinks the authorities will ever find Joe Lowe, the former Goldman client and current fugitive who allegedly masterminded the entire scheme.
1: Goldman Sachs is a criminal organization. They have pleaded guilty to violating the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, and not just to violating it. They paid $1.6 billion in bribes, both directly and indirectly, according to the complaint. Goldman Sachs Malaysia has pleaded guilty to this. There's a deferred prosecution agreement for Goldman Sachs, the parent company. This is the largest amount of bribes ever found under FCPA prosecution anywhere in the world from any company. I think if the authorities wanted to find out where Joe is, they could. They probably already know, to be honest. I just think that if he's in Macau, which he's rumored to be, it's going to be very difficult for them to extradite him.
0: Speaking of government lawsuits, Walmart today filed a preemptive complaint against the U.S. government, trying to head off any liability that its pharmacy unit could have in the opioid abuse crisis. In short, Walmart argues that any blame lies with a lack of government enforcement, not in Walmart's policies or actions. And finally, we are reading a new piece of proposed legislation that would prevent the president, any president, from shutting down large parts of the Internet, at least without good reason. And I know what you're thinking. Presidents can turn off the Internet. Well, kind of based on something called Section 706, which was originally intended to make sure the government could do things like make phone calls during national emergencies. But in theory, it could be used for any reason, maybe even stifling political protest. So anyway, this revised rule is co-sponsored by Democratic Congresswoman Anna Eshoo and Republican Congressman Morgan Griffith. And it would require that Section 706 only be used when there is a, quote, imminent and specific threat to human life or national security. And we're done big thanks for listening and to my producers tim shovers naomi shaven and alex Sugiyara. have a great national boston cream pie day and we'll be back monday with another axios recap